Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 85. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. Uh, this week, we have a special guest on. We have Gunnar, a world champion, world draft champion, to talk about his streak of drafting 17 fire decks in a row. So hello, Gunnar. Hello, everyone. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Hats. Hello. Thank you for having me back again. And uh, hello, Hats. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> Off to another Getting great start. At, Getting better at, at, uh, at casual greetings and <laughs> conversation like humans do. <laughs> I don't know if better is the word I would use to describe this. Getting worse at casual <laughs> conversation. <laughs> More focused on eternal, less focused on being human. <laughs> yeah. I will say, after last week's episode, I uh, was feeling so bad about myself that I shame bought a, a new microphone. It has not arrived yet, but oh, okay. in, in an attempt to make myself feel better, I got like a, 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 a more professional USB mic instead of using my laptop mic. So. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, after two years of podcasting. Have you got headphones? Because <laughs> headphones are a real important part of this whole thing. That's No, I just, I put you on very low volume. Uh-huh. And, and I just listen really hard so it doesn't show up in the audio recording. That's the technique that all the top podcasters use. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of uh, of not feeling great about myself in horrible weeks... How was your draft week? Me? Uh, me? Hats on lamps? Uh, pretty good. I, uh, I draft, I've been drafting a lot of uh, Combray in this format uh, over the last... Actually, just really just over the last week. Um, I've been getting into... Uh, I've just been getting into it really easily. I don't know if I'm avoiding fire or if people have just sort of caught up uh, to the fact that fire is good and are drafting it to the point where I'm not comfortable sort of like jumping into it unless it's clearly open. But Combray has been really strong for me, either splashing or just straight up uh, Combray, but not necessarily based on Sentinels or Sentinel synergy. Um, I've, I've just sort of ended up in a bunch of Wormstone decks and, and done pretty well with them. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hovering comfortably in, in rank two, and I have been for a while. <laughs> no matter what happens, it no longer changes. Collector's number one, I'm number two, and that's it. <laughs> that's our identity for the month. I, I can't complain about it, obviously. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's it. That's how, that's how it's going. No complaints. Uh, trying a strategy that I wasn't um, before and having success with it. So about the ideal situation for eternal draft how's your uh how's your draft week gunner uh yeah yeah it's been been pretty good overall i've, I've somehow managed to do 20 drafts in a week um which uh-huh. is way way above normal to be honest um we've recently gone back into lockdown in the uk so not much else to do really apart from uh draft eternal so um so yeah i got six seven wins in those which is um which is quite cool um and i managed to draft as well kind of for the first time really um found deck properly um where just kind of all the bits fell into place i managed to grab three three vine grafters um and splash 
um, two martial efficiencies, which uh, which was quite nice. And just, yeah, it was just super smooth. The only game I lost to was against Autotread, um, which kind of, which kind of is the uh, the bane of Vinegrafter. But um, but yeah, yeah, the format has kind of evolved a little bit from uh, from just fire, which is quite nice for me personally. Um, try and get to try out a few new different things and uh, experiment a bit more. Um, probably subconsciously, I haven't made like a decision to do that um, and take a break from fire. But um, but yeah, it's gone okay. Do you think when you say that the format has a Evolved a little bit. Do you find that to be true in your opponents too? Or you do you feel like you're facing fewer fire ducks? Um, that's a good question, actually. I don't think so. Um, I think it's more represented, or I'm noticing it more in the packs anyway. Um, just because that's kind of like the what I personally internalize more. Um, like if I'm fighting, playing against. I just view opponents one at a time type thing. That's probably me. But uh, I don't really kind of say, mm, there's been quite a few fire decks or quite a few shadow decks or different um, strategies that I haven't seen before. It's more just in the drafting phase, not seeing those late those late mm. fire signals that um, that were more, uh, more prevalent a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, maybe it's just easier when you go 3 to be like, huh, faced a lot of fire decks that track. <laughs> that was a fun eight-minute draft. <laughs> Our weeks have finally diverged, Tats. I also drafted a lot of Combray decks this week. I did um, not quite as many as Gunner, but I, I did draft more this week. I think that's mostly due to the fact that I wasn't winning as much, so my drafts were shorter, so I was able to fit more of them in. Yeah. <laughs> I I drafted three... Com- I, I don't know. I've just been hovering at 50% or so recently. So I kind of drafted a whole bunch of two threes and three threes. Then I had, uh, with three of them being Combray, and then I had a bad Rakano deck, and then I had a seven-win Rakano deck, and then I drafted another three decks that were all Argent port-ish, um, and continued went back to being about fifty percent. And I don't know if I'm like playing worse or if I'm just like I'm, you know, in the rank forty in Masters. If that's just like where I'm supposed to be, and now I'm, I'm just like a fifty percent drafter. <laughs> or what's going on but i i am i i am not playing great so i think i'm going to take a few days break to like mentally reset and uh see if that helps yeah it sounds like a good idea <laughs> i've had i've had some success with Arjun Port. uh i was playing a little bit of it last week how's that how has it been going it's i thought going well you know like i i feel like my decks are solid We'll kind of get more into it in my card of the week, but I've been having like trouble figuring out Watchwing support and like what, how much you're supposed to like change your deck what, when you have Watchwing supports in it, and like whether you're supposed to load up on attachments or just be happy with like a sort of a natural amount of attachments or what you're supposed to do with that. All right, uh, we'll talk about that in card of the week. On to 
thanking our patrons over at patreon.com slash farming eternal for as little as a dollar a month you can gain access to our show notes recording bloopers a lot of them recently um as well as not just towards <laughs> our patreon goals oh um, we've been blooping blooping yep. it left and left left and right um <laughs> you theoretically after uh two years of patreon support have improved the audio quality of this uh tbd <laughs> but, but um yeah so thank you to cotillion low-key trickster sigma tank mercurio blue abednego meagles madness parmalee darth herman 2 twin hex jed the homrit raven dragon ezra 0215 sunblaze work done sun and Yistow. we appreciate your support month after month um it's really awesome yes we do we do appreciate it, it keeps me motivated yeah. All right. So I guess I'll start since I mentioned it. Um, my card of the week is Watch Wing Support, which is um, a two justice. Um, uh, sorry, is a two justice relic. It says when you play an attachment, the top unit or weapon of your deck gets plus two plus two, and it has Valkyrie Warp. Add two random justice cards to your market. Um, so this is a card we've talked a couple times about and about how the community at large kind of likes it more than we do necessarily. But, I mean, the card, um, like I said, my last three drafts, I think I, each of them were Argent Port, and they all had a Watch Wing support in it. And one of them in particular was really tricky because Argent Port was really open, so I had a lot of playables. And so I had a whole bunch of good units. I had about eight to ten playable relics. between. I had like three gloves and then some less good ones like Metabot. I had a couple other weapons and just random relics, uh, siege provisions. And then I also had like a really great spell suite. I had like eight playable kill spells. <laughs> it was like... And then I just, like, didn't know... <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I play zero units <laughs> and support Watchwing support? And... You play one unit so that you can draw it after activating Watchwing support many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, But I was, like, really confused. I was like, it seems silly to, like, put Watchwing support in my deck if the only other relics I have are three gloves. But maybe it's Maybe it's not. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I just have no sense of what makes Watchwing support worth putting in your deck. Do you have any thoughts on this, Gunner? I haven't really played with support that much. Yeah, I had, um, I've played with it a couple of times. I hadn't towards the start of the format because I was just kind of jamming fire, um, to be fair. So I didn't really come across it too much. Um, but it's, it's, it plays really well with other weapons, I will say that, because you buff up those weapons and then you play them and you get another buff and it kind of like passes it on, pass the parcel down the line type thing. Um, and that's, it's, like you said, like having so many playables, like eight, eight playable kill spells, you know, you don't really want to cut those. You've got the relic weapons, which are kind of gravity glove. I, I really like that. The flexibility of that just on its own um, is, is really nice. But, and then you've got units as well, obviously, that you want to get buffed. So you do kind of need to have at least one, maybe two. But the, 
the idea um, behind it is, is kind of, and that's kind of spot is kind of tricky, right? You, you think, do you pick it early and then build around it, build towards it, or do you just draft a solid deck? And then if you see one later on, it might not quite fit in with what you've already got. Sort of, if you see it kind of late in pack four, it can kind of be tricky when to pick it up um, in a draft. But I've kind of been thinking of it as a, you ideally you want to play it on turn two. You want to get that buff down as soon as you can. And then it sets you back a little bit in tempo, um, but you're hopefully going to draw that buffed up unit quite soon or that weapon quite soon. And then any more additional attachments like Malaga munitions is great with it. That synergy of, you know, playing it, playing munitions, getting the weapon, getting the relic, um, getting the double buff is really nice. Um, and it plays really well into what Ricardo wants to do, just kind of buff up units on flyers. So, and then if you draw it later in the game, if you've got enough Valkyries, sometimes you can get away with warping it in um, as well. So you kind of draw a card with it that way, and then it's kind of quote-unquote free. Um, but for sure, it's one of the trickier cards um, in the format to kind of evaluate where it goes, how you tailor your deck to uh, to fit around it for sure. Yeah. Do you have a, a sense of like how many relics you want Let's take Malaga Munitions out of it for a second, because that mm. goes That's so kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it's like three triggers in one card yeah. almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how many relics do you think you want to support a Watchwing support? <laughs> support. Um, because because it buffs itself, I don't honestly think you need that many. You can, mm-hmm. if, if you're, especially if you're kind of struggling for playables, um, Perhaps you haven't. Uh, it, it didn't become clear kind of what the open color pair was for you until later on in the draft. I'm happy to play it with like two or two or three other relics, and you, you're playing justice, so you're going to have gravity gloves. Um, you're going to have the uh, the broadswords. Maybe a you know you can go off with emerald ring. Um, it's a bit slow, but it kind of I got smashed by that. But uh, I played better up. Um, at the beginning of the format, and he had two Watchwing supports and, a, and an Emerald Ring, and managed to get a 1919 um, Valkyrie Revenge 1 1 Flyer, which was um, which kind of opened my eyes to the power of what you can do with that. Um, and yeah, to, I mean, but ideally, if, you, if you're building your deck around it, you know, if you get up to the six, seven, um, seven numbers, that's when it starts really putting in the mileage um, for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So maybe that's one of my issues is I'm still viewing this as more of a build around card where it seems like you're happy sort of almost just with just playing it and then or you're happy just playing it and then, you know, everything else, every relic after is bonus. So my card of the week is Mandrake Simulacre, um, which is the four power colorless 3-3 three, three, um, with decay that uh, you can ultimate for one and to plunder whenever you like um, and yeah I'm just because this is colorless card um, I found it really flexible it's just a good effect um, to have plunder whenever you like so you can uh, you can play it on four and then if you don't have anything you want to plunder in your hand, you can just hold off on it. The ultimate ability is relevant as well with the tribe mandrakes because 
they get some buff sometimes when you ultimate and um and yeah it's, it kind of reads four power three three decay draw a card which is um which is really strong um i think in the format yes yeah i i agree i think uh this card is i think surprisingly strong yeah i mean mm-hmm. you just i feel like i have to just keep relearning how strong decay is mm. um you know because even if it doesn't if if it doesn't block and kill a unit having three strength means that you're going to like neuter the unit so much it's might as well yeah. be dead yeah um you know like a basher is a lot less scary as a two two reckless <laughs> right a, right exactly yeah than a five five reckless and it's also interesting the ultimate pay one to plunder i feel like it first almost reads as a downside you know it's compared right. to summon plunder but yeah. mm-hmm. it it almost makes this card so much the fact that it's delayed makes it so much nicer to top deck because you don't get into this weird situation with some of the like you know like the one two valkyrie flying or this would happen a lot especially in the last format uh with the shifting illusion where you would top deck that and then you're like mm-hmm. do i hold it until i draw yeah. power yeah. or but with this, you can still play it and then plunder the power that you draw in a little bit. So, yeah, I think this is um, a great card, uh, like you said. And uh, continuing with these spoilers, kind of interestingly, in uh, your top 10 most drafted cards in the 7-win deck list uh, so far. So seems like you've been having success with it, too. Yeah, yeah. So do you... if do you take this above uh, Cell Sword? That's uh, that's a good question. I I really like the Cell Sword as well. I think those two are um, head and shoulders above the the Valkyrie, above the Grenadine, and above the um, what's the last one? I've blanked. No, there's Ocasus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, audience. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, if you're counting audience, <laughs> yeah, that one's great. That one's great. Um, also, with watching support, it's very good as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, I kind of depending on how my deck or is looking where I am in the draft. If it's very near to the start, I think I would prefer to take this over Cell Sword honestly because I think this is better. Um, I think Cell Sword's better in aggressive decks or lower to the ground decks because it's a three drop instead of a four. Uh, but I kind of I'll probably take one and then I'd rather have one of each than have two of one of them. If you see what right. I mean, and then kind of um concertina it that way and go from and i'll be happy to you know play two 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 of each for sure because plunder is just such a strong um that deck i mentioned earlier on that seven one deck had 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 one of these in it and a few other things as well and just being able to plunder is just so nice um in limited and for those of you wondering i just heard from hats and uh he said he's unable to connect to the call again so we lost hats so we'll never know what his card of the week is <laughs> I'm sorry to say. No. Um, but we will be doing the... We will continue with the rest of the show just hatsless. Metaphorically and... And literally, yeah. All right, cool. So we'll go to our seven-win run breakdown. This is our long-standing data collection project here at Farming Eternal, where our listeners mail us their seven-win drafts to farmingeternal at gmail.com or post them in the seven-win channel on the Discord. 
in either exported decklist or any kind of eternal war cry link we then take all this information we put it into a spreadsheet so you can see what factions are doing well what cards are doing well that kind of stuff and we talk about it on the show and then we also like to give a shout out to everyone who contributed um this week uh so yeah so here they are so a boss celtic guardian 7 collector cotillion darth herman 2 d dubs full robot gato sujo gunner 116 hatsan lamps honky ip long no john avon mercurio blue patamaro shab steve Irwin, telemokos tempest dragon king and twin hex and as always thank you to john holio for entering all the deck list seats we we appreciate it cool so we're not gonna spend much time talking about that because uh same old same old fires <laughs> fires doing great um justice is doing great shadow's doing pretty good um the only big change is uh hats on lamps is more or less single-handedly trying to prop time up <laughs> so time has been doing a little bit better this past week <laughs> so we're going to move on to our main topic uh but first uh i realized at the end of the last episode we talked about the top uncommons but we didn't really give an overall pick order and so uh, between Hats, Gunner, and I, we kind of came up with our top five, top six um, cards. And this is more or less in, in a coherent order. But uh, number one, we have Auto Tread. Number two, Martial Efficiency. Number three, Metal Fang. Number four, Vine Grafter. Number five, Nectar of Unlife. And number six, Deathwing. So how do you feel about that list? I like it. Um, I would say that one of the things that struck me quite early on about the format was how powerful some of the uncommons, particularly those six uncommons are. And um, thinking it through, I th you'd be happy to first pick those probably over most of the rares and legendaries in the format. Um, and some of the rares and legendaries are strong. Um, but all of these cards, you can splash for them if you want to. They just have such a almost a warping effect on the game um, whenever you play them that they are yeah just a step above most of the cards in the set in the format. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Auto Tread's kind of the interesting one in this for me because like. All the other ones, I feel like, are like more typic typically yeah, like yeah. strong limited yeah. cards. They're all like mm -hmm. card advantagey. You know, like yeah. Vine Grafter gives regen to something, so yeah. it's almost like creating multiple cards because you you have to sure. shoot for yourself to kill it. Nectar of Life literally draw, draws you <laughs> multiple cards. Yeah. yeah, you know, Metal Fang creates multiple units and is a great stabilizer. Martial efficiency <laughs> is a pump spell, but it also can screw up, can affect the whole board. Yes. And then yeah, yeah. auto tread is like a card disadvantage, almost card disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is, it is for sure. Um, and I really think the fact that auto tread is so good really just speaks to how strong regen is in this format. Right. I mean, 
yeah, Regen has definitely come. Um, I mean, I, I personally, I thought it was going to be good, but I didn't think it would be anywhere near as good as it is. Um, yeah. And how tricky it is to play around it um, without giving, without inherent card disadvantage. Yeah, it's a hard thing. To, and I will say kind of auto-tread is similar to a card from Magic the Gathering, which sometimes look at because Eternal is still quite a small, like there's over, there's thousands of cards in Eternal. Um, but the kind of, it's sometimes tricky to find um, an analogy for it, analogous card, right? Because all trade is kind of, it's not really an effect we've ever had before in a turn, right? But it's kind of similar to Wild Mongrel, which is a, an old, old card from Magic the Gathering, where you would, it's just a 2 2 for 2 um, in in uh, in green, but you discard a card for no cost and it gets plus, plus, plus one until the end of the turn. And just playing around that effect for your opponent is a nightmare um, because if you've got five cards in hand you know and you've got a three three do you do you they do you block it do you not block it how do you play around that type of effect and orchard is almost better than that because you can just play it and then if they if your opponent has a two one and a, a three has a, a, a side street monitor um or two side street monitors or a stairs beckoning there's so many x ones in this format that it can just literally get multiple Trades your one card for um for the, for their unit and buffs it up as well, which is even more um even more snowbally snowball effect. Yeah, and I I think it's just the anti-region thing. I think it's one of the reasons fire is just doing so well because yeah. without auto tread, <laughs> there's some decks that could just chump block forever. Yeah, with, yeah, you play bashers. They play and, a dark water vines and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that regen sort of shuts off overwhelm, it's sh- you know, it's shuts off um scything sides yeah. side slash. Side slash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so auto jet is just it has such a profound effect in this particular format. All right. So now on to our main main topic, which is just kinda I don't know how long we'll talk, but I just kinda wanted to have you on gunner because you had mentioned in the discord that you had drafted 17 fire decks in a row and you had said this just around the time that i had listened to a magic the gathering podcast called limited level ups and they had uh uh magic the gathering um i guess pro tour winner or top eight person uh who also streams called ham tv who's like mm-hmm. a very good player and yeah. is yeah. always like the top of the trophy boards and mm-hmm. like that. And they were just talking to uh, Ham about how Ham approach to draft is sort of the opposite of Ben Starks, where he yeah. figures yeah. out his couple favorite decks in the format and then just tries to force them mm-hmm. draft after draft mm-hmm. to great success. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the, I think it was just like the fact that I had listened to this podcast and then you had mentioned <laughs> drafting fire so much uh, was really intriguing because I think it was also for me, I think it's true that fire is probably you know, is obviously the most powerful color in the format, but I still have trouble figuring out how to get into it. It's not always clear to me. Uh, even when it's open, unless it's like so obviously open or you get some of these like 
you know, if you start with an auto tread, then it's like, or even a, a uh, what is it called? A plate crasher, gate crasher. Yeah, plate crasher. Red plate crasher. Red plate crasher. Yes. Or even if you start with like a red plate crasher, you know, mm-hmm. like you can mm-hmm. figure out how to get into fire. But like when you're just talking at the common level outside of basher, it's like a little less clear to me, like how you get into the deck. Sure. So I guess maybe to start with, the, you know, to be a little more specific. So do you just want to talk about your 17? <laughs> sure. Yeah. 17 game or draft run of fire yeah for sure that's cool um so i didn't actually realize until um i was watching john avon stream um and um he was titled his stream specifically something along the lines of um no fire decks not just non-fire stream um which i know that he likes to do sometimes for just various different just to try something new um and it came up um, I can't remember exactly what someone said in the chat, but something along the lines of, oh, I've drafted like three fire decks in a row. And then I keep a, a spreadsheet. I track my results um, just in the drafts, just for my own uh, just interest, really. And um, I looked and I saw, okay, that's Ricardo, Ricardo, Praxis, Ricardo, Ricardo, Praxis, Ricardo, Ricardo. And I looked and then, yeah, 17 in a row. Um, I was like, wow, I've drafted... I drafted 17 fire decks in a row um, and I completely just I didn't try and force it like you say I, I, I watched Ham I watched Ham for the last since he's been streaming um, extremely good player and um, but yeah as you say complete opposite to um, to Ben Stark in the way that he goes about uh, approaching the format um, and he just takes cards that if you if you looked at drafting the hard way and then didn't listen to what he was saying you would be lost um i think if that was kind of your your baseline if that was kind of your your philosophy i know i was he and he would he was passing like extremely extremely good cards like the metal fang the martial efficiency power level cards for commons that go into the deck that he likes to draft um and then just kind of because the drafting in magic is kind of different, I suppose you can kind of it's easier to force in magic than it is to force in eternal um, for sure because you're only being passed to you're not you're not passing to someone who then kind of can read your signals and pass them back um, the other way. So it is a, I think it's a, it's a bit different. I don't think it would translate quite as well in eternal. But yeah, I think that was that was fun. We had. I, I can't remember exactly how many. Um, so yeah, 17 fire decks in a row. Nine were Ricardo, three were Praxis, two Scrycrag, two Stone Scar, and one Mono, uh, Mono Fire, which was just flashing two Mighty Strikes, um, which was a fun one actually. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was mainly based on the general population of, of drafters, partly because we were kind of out of the bot the bot pack phase a little bit and. People were starting to um, have picks that weren't influenced by those. So fire was still being undervalued at the time. So you would get sort of fifth, sixth, seventh pick bashes um, and stuff like that. And when that's happening, obviously it's easy, you know, okay, great. We can just jump in and and go for it. But um, as the format kind of evolved a little bit, people have, have, have 
kind of caught on the fire is good it's doing a lot of good things and basher even though you have to discard it's still just a, an amazing unit um, to play on turn three so yeah i think just fire in general i haven't actually had the most success with it um which is quite interesting it's actually third out just behind justice and shadow in terms of win percentage um for this month for me which is quite interesting but it's certainly the most representative <laughs> color for sure so besides for the uncommons what cards mm-hmm. are you saying are getting you into fire sure sure so you mentioned basher obviously but i think laser blast is if not on the level but above center market for me um mm. because because the, the fact that you can play it for one power is so powerful um going turn three turn four basher into kill your four four or um it's just such a strong tempo play that it's like really hard to come back from that if you're the opponent um same as the red plate crasher um playing that on five buffing up a unit swinging in or even buffing up a unit killing their blocker with laser blast and then getting in there just sets you up um and kind of i think all of fire the synergies in fire sentinels are just big sorry not the synergies like the tribe sorry in fire you've got sentinels you've got sentinels which are just large overstated units almost and then you've got valkyrie which is flyer evasive units um and they both work well when you want to be attacking so that alongside size slash uh, is given kind of fire the, the most reach that it's almost ever had i would say mm-hmm. um and the fact that only hybrid is really strong as well that's that's um a card you can get so much value for you look at that and then you look at vain glory patrol which is the uh, the shadow three one that's easier to cast but doesn't have draw a, a weapon on it um and that makes such a big difference because you can get back your gravity gloves, you can get back, even if it's just a, a munition heavy axe, it's card advantage, um, which you can kind of leverage if you need to. Mm-hmm. With the Oni hybrid, is that, do you consider that more of a Rakano a card? Or are you happy playing that in like Stone Scar or Skycrag? I've actually, so Skycrag is a weird one um, in terms of a, a deck color pair in this format. Um, I've not had much success with it. Um, it seems quite hard to get. So I, I I would say that I try and stay away from it unless um, unless it's sort of like Grubbot, Grubbot, you know, and I can go kind of go all in and say, sure, let's try it. But I think if you were drafting for win percentage, you probably wouldn't go in that direction. Um, at all really because it takes so many bits getting right um falling into place for you to uh, to land into it but only hybrid i've got it currently i've got a stone star deck right now um which has got two munitions um and the four magma javelin um mm-hmm. the four one and some and some gloves so did you say four magma javelins uh sorry just one just one. Oh, one. Um, <laughs> yeah no, just the one and the gloves of the Pyromancer, which I like a lot as well. Um, and yeah, I'm happy running it there. You know, I think it, it it goes up even more 
in Ricardo for sure, but Stone Scar, I'm happy to play it in there. Um, yeah, even if you've got, if you've probably got one one munitions might be pushing it, and you and if you don't have any other playables, you'd be okay running it. But then it also might be on the chopping block there. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And is only hybrid a card you're happy to play multiples of? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for mm-hmm. sure. It can be, it can be. I wasn't that high on it at the start of the format because X ones get punished so badly um, by the likes of Auto Tread by um, Plague. Now is in the packs. You know, you've got uh, Ruinous Burst stuff like that. X ones are probably at the most vulnerable as they've ever been. Um, but at the same time, and and Stayers beckoning as well. Um, the uh, the common justice three drop, which makes two one one Valks trading off a hybrid for one of those, is not great. But in spite of all that, it still impressed me um, enough that I'm happy running. If I've got enough weapons, I'll run three and be happy with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty interesting. I I kind of wonder if this if you've experienced this thing. I I. What happens to me, it feels like a lot, is early, if I don't open, you know, the top three or four fire cards that we've been talking about, what often happens is I open more powerful cards in other colors for the first, you know, four or five picks. And then what tends to happen is because fire is so deep um, in their, like, Mm -hmm. mid-tier commons that then you all of a sudden can start to see a lot of a lot of cards. I mean, only hybrids sort of kind of go early a little bit, but you start to see like size slashes and the the two for the two two for two that has the fade yeah. ability. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like I never know whether I should now that it's like picks six or seven whether I should start picking these medium, these medium fire cards, mm. even though they're probably only like slightly better than the you know the other cards in the pack. But I have cards of that of that other color yeah, yeah. in my pool already, <laughs> and I'm it, there's always this tension of like, well, fire's so strong, maybe I just like move into fire now for these commons and give up on <laughs> all my sh- strong early picks. Yeah, and I think that was what was more pronounced earlier on in the format, was instead of seeing like the Roman caches and stuff, you'd be seeing the bashes and the laser blasts. And sometimes you do still see, less now, but you do still see sort of laser, bar- laser blasts go um, a lot later than it should. And that is kind of an interesting decision to point to make um, is but I, I found because you have so many playables in this because of the the emulators especially um, apart say for the Grenadine one uh, unfortunately all the other ones of them I'm happy to run just in any deck um, because they've got plunder and they're colourless so they have as they've risen in my rankings I'm kind of happy to pick them and kind of my magic was the uh, my card of the week as because I'm I'm kind of happier to pick them almost now than some of the more committing cards, the more synergistic cards that might have a higher ceiling and be more powerful. But I would rather draft the boring way, um, high sharp, um, the the boring way, and you know take a card that I know for sure is going to be in my deck depending on what comes 
uh, later on in the packs. Um, kind of my way of getting around answering your question a little bit, because honestly, without seeing kind of getting the whole flow of what's coming to you, um, pick one, pick two, pick three, it's so hard to answer um, questions like that. And in this format, especially because there's, you've got the tribal synergies on top of everything else that you normally have in a, in a normal draft format, mm-hmm. um, which kind of give cards. You've got like a general power level for a card. You've got the synergistic um, power level, like synergistic rating for a card. And you've got kind of the commitment that the card is asking you to do. What do I, in terms of like, uh, um, in terms of uh, just uh, influence, requirements right if you've got like a, a technique um which are all powerful effects very cheap um but they don't go into every deck and how early do you take them i think this is one probably one of the hardest formats to draft that i've come across in eternal so far for sure yeah i i agree it is it is very challenging i do think one of the one of my issues this is not fire specific Um, I kind of talked about this early on is the fact that whatever algorithms, uh, you know, Eternal uses, I'm sure doesn't take into account tribal synergy. And so, yeah, yeah, I've often come come to this situation where, like, I start drafting Combray or whatever, and my first pack is like a great Combray Sentinels deck. And then it turns out like justice and time are really open, but then it, then all I get is soldier cards after that or or something. And, Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's like, it always feels like I get the opposite. It's like, whenever I have a lot of soldier cards, I suddenly get like a ton of bastion um, gatekeepers or or whenever I'm, I have uh, Sentinel synergy cards, I suddenly get a bunch of send for the reserve. Oh jeez, send send for the oh, reserves. Yes, got it, got it. First time, <laughs> nice one. Close call. Uh, yeah, I get a bunch of send for the reserves, and w- while they're both like great cards, it feels like I'm I'm always having trouble like making coherent tribal <laughs> making series. coherent deck out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess the the final question that. Uh, we kind of like to jokingly ask is so do you have a limit on the number of bashers you would play <laughs> i don't have a limit on the number of bashers that i would play i would play 27 bashers if i could yeah 27 okay 18 Interesting. power let's go um and then another kind of question that comes up uh that came up in the discord uh, so do you keep a hand of six power and a basher on the play. On the play. On the play. Ooh, that's a. I think if it's my first hand, I would send it back. But if it's my second hand, I would keep. I don't know if that's correct or not, but that's kind of the general feeling that I had when I read that question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. And kind of uh, the the other question. Oh, I guess so. It was not the last question. One <laughs> one other question I had is, Laser Blast is also kind of an interesting card for me because it's obviously powerful. And you mentioned uh, two fire cards it goes great with. 
uh, Basher, obviously, and then um, Crasher as well. Red, yeah. And Red Plate Crasher. But, you know, especially in Rakano, I feel like the Sentinel I always have the most of is the um, Gatekeeper, yeah. yeah. The Gatekeeper, <laughs> which is a bit of a, a nonbo. And, yes. and a lot of the fire cards, like you mentioned, are X1s or have very low toughness. Is there the question is not only are there are there fire decks that you're not playing laser blast mm-hmm. in, um, is there like a certain number of like bashers and gatekeepers or bashers and red plate crashers that you sort of want in order to be comfortable running uh, laser blasts? Sure, sure. Um, excuse me. Um, so yeah, like something that I've for sure altered my um, perception of coming from magic is I think if 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 laser blast was a magic card as an analogy sorry I keep doing it but I don't think it would be anywhere near as good as it is in eternal um say simple for similar reasons you know dark fire um from the previous format I never really liked that card because I was kind of still in the magic mindset of if I have nothing on board this card does nothing there's, there's such a low ceiling to it that putting those cards in your deck um, is a recipe for fate not failure but like for increased variance in your results because it has such a low ceiling I've started to embrace that and I don't really know why <laughs> because Darkfire although it wasn't great it was certainly there were some decks in the last format that you for sure wanted a, a dark fire or even two um, that you could use for reach or if you're in stone scar to to get like quite a sizable life swing um, kill your four drop gain four life stuff like that and the fail case it might just be like confirmation bias but it didn't really seem to have obviously it was there but with plunder and stuff like that as well you can kind of I think plunder as a whole has changed the changed the whole game of eternal so much, especially limited, that um, it becomes more reasonable to run these cards with such downsides um, mm-hmm. almost that you can worst comes to worst. You know, I can turn it to a power if I draw it, and I've only got two power hand to start. Or in this format, I can put it in the market. So I know the specific situation that I'm going to need to, to get that out of there um, and draw it when I can. So Laser Blast is, is a lot better than Dark Fire, um, firstly because it's cheaper, and secondly because also you can make it even more cheaper by casting it for one. So there's a, there are certain decks I think where I would probably only run one, like you say, like Rakano decks um, that are just low to the ground, don't have any bashes, which does happen, unfortunately, sometimes when you draw fire, you don't get any bashes, um, which is a shame. But uh, but sometimes you do have, just have beckonings and you're just going to suit them up and you're going to have high-powered flyers that aren't going to look particularly impressive when you have a, uh, a laser blast in hand. But if you've got, you know, if I've got two bashes, 
and maybe one more largest unit, I'm happy to run, you know, two, three laser blasts for sure. Okay, cool. Mm. And then finally, well, who knows? Who knows if this is finally? I should stop saying that after <laughs> before each question. But uh, I did do a, a little analysis of Gunner's uh, top ten cards that uh, he's drafted, and so he has sixteen um, seven win decks posted to our spreadsheet for this format. And so number one is Barricade Basher, of course, with twenty one of them. Um, Number two, Send to Market, then Laser Blast, then Oni Hybrid, Side Street Monitor, Mandrake Simulacra, Seek Power, Covenant Peacekeeper, Replicated Cell Sword, Red Plate Crasher, and then these uh, these last few are all at seven, so they're all tied, um, starting with Seek Power. So Seek Power, Covenant Peacekeeper, Replicated Sellsword, Red Plate Crasher, Okessa's Audience, Flameheart Patroller, Temple Raider, and Auto Tread. Um, so the only other car interesting card that jumps out to me is uh, is Temple Raider. Um, how do you how do you feel about that card? Um, I really like it. I don't see excuse me, don't see too many of them going quite as late now. But um, when you've got Basher turn three into Temple Raider turn four on the play, um, unless your opponent has got a deadly, um, they're in trouble, um, a deadly unit, because nine power, nine power sort of charging at you on turn four um, is, uh, is frightening, to be fair. Um, I think that's a little bit skewed, because I did have four of those in one deck, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, so it might be a bit skewed, but that was a good deck, and that did go seven wins. Um, that one, but uh, but yeah, I, I like it. I like it if you have, especially in practice, less so in Ricano. Um, but if you've got, I'm looking for seven, eight Sentinels, mm -hmm. um, and then I'm happy to run it. That might be just me being a little bit conservative, perhaps. But yeah, seven to eight. Um, usually means you're going to have one either on turn two, like a Flame Heart Patroller, into that as well. It's just so good attacking for seven on turn three. Um, yeah, is, uh, or even a Bastion, you know, you, there's always the Bastion yeah. Gatekeeper, yeah. which is also yeah. a Sentinel, gets me yeah. every time. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. Um, so then I figured we would... Uh, do a, a short little draft. We're not going to do all 48 picks, but uh, this was a draft I did recently. So just thought we'd get uh, the world champion's perspective on this format here. Sure. Sure. Um, all right. So pack one, pick one, uh, cards in contention. Uh, the rare is Traveler's Fair, which is the six colorless once per turn. You may pay six to draw a card from your market. Not sure that that's really playable in draft. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, then the uncommons, uh, there's Shambling uh, shambling Sapsucker, which is the two-time 2-2. Two -two. When you transform one or more cards, your Mandrakes get plus one attack and deadly. There's a Plate Grafter, which is the Justice Grafter, and there's Martial Efficiency. And then the uh, top uncommons, the top commons, uh, there's a shoal dredger and a barricade basher, I think are 
the cards we're looking at here. Yeah, I mean, just a quick note on Traveller's Fair, actually. I did have it in my market one game um, when I had a grafter to <laughs> for the late, late, late game, um, but I never got it. So, um, but yeah, I don't think, I think that's a little too slow. Um, Shambling Sapsucker um, is a fine two drop. Time hasn't been too great for me in the format as a whole. Um, but it's interesting, it does actually, so I had this on turn two, I think, and then when I got up to five power, it activated and I was like, I didn't do anything, I just played a power. I didn't have a, uh, a, a banner or standard sorry I didn't have a standard in hand but I did have one in my deck and that transformed in the deck and gave my mandrake decay which was interesting yeah I actually you know some people had talked about it on discord about how standards trigger this mm. and until you said that I hadn't put together that it doesn't even need to be in hand it just right. a standard right. just needs to be, to be in deck. Hand. yeah yeah I thought it had to be in hand as well and then it didn't because it transformed and i was like interesting good to know um yeah I mean, and it also works in the market um this is one of the cards that oh okay also weirdly works you know because mm. it, it does say it because it just says transform yeah, yeah that's card. right yeah 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 mm-hmm. so no, uh, plate crafter is is fine but yeah martial efficiency is like we said is 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 probably the best i think i have it above all orchard personally but um it's yeah just such a broad effect on the entire board and the fact that it lasts beyond this turn if you draw it in the late game you can play it on one of your enemy's units and then nerf their whole board into oblivion <laughs> if, if they're about to win um and then they just have a bunch of zero three zero fours and um you've kind of four for one them almost because they're units yeah they can block but um it, it's great when you're ahead it's great when you're behind and it's great when you're a parity um it does it all so that's what we take here i would and then probably after that i'd take basher um i think and then plate grafter probably third yeah, yeah. all right and that's i took the martial efficiency too and then i don't know whether i'd take plate grafter or basher uh, Basher is probably the correct pick because fire is just so strong in this format. But so then uh, n- next, pretty interesting uh, pick two, uh, cards of contention. There is a legendary left. It's replication cell, which is the four primal primal summon sacrifice a unit, and then you may pay four to play a copy of the sacrificed unit, and you may use this ability only once per turn unless it's a granted in. Um, then there's, in the uncommons, the two uncommons left are Beacon of War, which is the three fire relic. When one of your units attacks, it gets plus one attack this turn, and then Amplify one, exhaust an enemy unit. And then Frostclaw Rider, which is the six primal primal five five plus two plus two for each of your soldiers. And if there is a stunned unit on the board, it costs two less. And then in the common slot, there are a lot of justice cards. Uh, the top ones probably being Covenant Peacekeeper and Side Street Monitor. And then there's also a Darkwater Vines. Yeah, so I've only managed to draft Replication Cell once. And when I drafted it, I did only get to play it in one game, 
but in that game it did copy a 6-6 Sentinel with Killer um, and Regen, which was quite nice. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my experience of it. Um, it seems it's, it's a premium, I have to say it's a premium Legendary as well, which I mean, for some people that might just be enough already. Um, but it it does it has a long game energy. Uh, sorry, engine. It's a long game engine um, for producing value. Um, for the disadvantage of you know spending turn four actually killing one of your own units. So it's certainly a build around in the respect of you need to make sure your deck can handle being able to pay it because it's not really a turn four play i suppose is kind of what i'm getting at it's more of a, a late game perhaps you put it in the market but it has such a unique effect you know how can you not pick it honestly um, yes yeah and what's interesting to the fact that it's a build around not only i as it turns out do you have to build your deck to play the late game but what kind of happened in this draft is i just didn't get any big units yes yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I ended up putting it in the market uh, because there was like n nothing in my deck that I was really excited <laughs> to pay for. Yeah. Sure, yeah, I, I pay more to get <laughs> than you uh, initially put. Probably if I, I would probably take if I didn't want to go for the the dream uh, of the replication cell. Flossclaw Rider has been okay but because primal is in such of an interesting cut slash um weird position for me personally um i'm kind of a bit reluctant to take it so i'd probably just take a side street monitor okay. um, instead of but you gotta go for the replication cell and it's premium so you know yes and you would take a side street monitor over a covenant peacekeeper in the dark yeah i think so um i would probably take another monitor over peacekeeper and then i'll probably start taking peacekeepers uh, okay cool all right so i also took the replication cell so then pick three cards in contention uh there is a rare left again this is the um tesseract technique which is the one stone scar or one sorry which is uh one sky crag and it can negate an enemy fast spell and deal one damage to the enemy player it can give one of your grenadines plus two plus two an overwhelm or create and draw a random grenadin uh then the un two uncommons left there's the stone scar painting and zoomic coercion which is the sacrifice unit to draw a card from your market um and then in the common slot uh there's a replicated cell sword as colorless uh, the fire cards, there's two good fire cards. There's Side Slash and Roaming Cash. And then in Justice, there's a Drifting Drone and a Metalcraft Cadet. Yeah, I'm I'm not excited about much in this pack, honestly. Um, Side Slash and Cash um, are kind of what we alluded to earlier on a little bit, where you start to see not the premium fire cards, but is this where you kind of dip in? Um and see and if the cell sword wasn't here i probably would take one of those um probably the cash just because two drops are quite a premium in this format um good ones anyway there's a lot of great three drops um but there's not that many twos um so 
Yeah, but I think I'll take the Replicate Cell Sword here. It's colourless, can go in any deck. It's got Plunder. And, uh, yeah. And let's see, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The, the way I was thinking of it, because I also took Replicated Cell Sword here, is I think if I hadn't taken Replication Cell and just had taken like a random common in this last pack, I would have mm -hmm. taken one of the fire cards here. Sure. Yeah. Um, because like Rakano with, you know, with a size slash and a martial efficiency is a pretty, pretty good start or a roaming yeah. cash. Um, but because I had replication cell, I was, felt like I should draft the <laughs> draft the boring the hard way, yeah. and uh, I did take the replicated cell sword. Okay. Um, all right, then pick four uh, cards in contention. Um, two uncommons left again. Stakeout, which is a two-time cursed relic, and it's when. The cursed player has five of their units die. You get to play uh, two, three, two, one soldiers, and then you can amplify three to give one of your units killer. Um, and then there's a gloves of the pyromancer, which is the two fire, three, one weapon. Fate transform the bottom card of your deck into a Praxis outlaw. And then in the common slot, there's another replicated cell sword. There's a bastion gatekeeper in justice. And then there's about four primal cards, uh, Maveloff Elite, Hardiness, Stalking Cyberfang, and a Wind Channeler, and a Sludge Blade. Yeah, this is... Um, Gloves is the best card um, in a vacuum, I think. Followed probably by Maveloff Elite. Um, I do like the Elite quite a bit. It's probably the one saving grace of Primal. Um, yes, I agree. A common, certainly, um, because similar to the Wild Mongol analogy I made earlier on, it's just on turn five you attack with two of these and your opponent has got three threes. Like, they can't block, right? Um, so it just makes your opponent's life such a nightmare that, um, that it's a good effect even on its own. And again, for the lack of two drops in the format, I I think I would take the cell sword again. It's coming back to kind of what I said earlier on about staying a bit more open, if I can. Uh, Pyromancer gloves is good. It is good. And if this was a basher, I would take the basher, right? But having a cell sword there as well and being where we are i kind of gloves is is not the kind of the pull into fire that i want if i'm already in fire i kind of know where i'm going then fair enough i'll take it but i think for me yeah cell sword is um another one of those like i'm happy to play sort of three three four of those um yeah for sure Yes, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, for me, it was also between Replicated Cell Sword and Gloves of the Pyromancer. I, I actually went with Gloves, kind of thinking, you, you know, I was a little tempted by the fire card in the last pack, and then in this pack, um, you know, the fact that it's still here made me feel like it was worth going. Mm -hmm. And again, this is all sort of predicated on the fact that fire is very strong. Um, sure. I think all yeah. things being equal... You know, replicated cell sword is definitely the pick here. 
Um, so, so yeah, I could, uh, I agree with that pick too. I, I probably should have been, I think gloves of the pyromancer was more of a risky chance pick while sellsword is a safer, more likely to make your deck pick. All right. And then, uh, pick five, uh, cards of contention. There's two uncommons left. Uh, there's the coveted gemstone, which is the time relic. And then there's Blight Petal, which is the three Felm, three, three Mandrake that uh, when you sacrifice a unit, your other units get plus one attack uh, this turn and your spells do plus one damage. Uh, then in the common slot in Fire, there's a Blood Boil Executioner. And then in Justice, there is a Bastion Gatekeeper, Styer's Beckoning and bring into focus and then primal there's a stalking cyber fang so i haven't i've funnily enough i played more with coveted gemstone in the preview event than i did have in the, in the main format so far um which is uh strange but I, I think it's fine um but again kind of comes back to time not being that's impressive for me so far in the format just yet. Um, Black Petal looks cool, but is a bit meh in terms of yeah. tricky to cast. D3 doesn't do much. Um, so I'd probably be on the gatekeeper um, here with a, with maybe beckoning second. Um, but yeah, gatekeeper is a great two drop. And yeah, kind of we've got efficiency as well. So if we can go in that direction, great. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I took too. I was pretty excited to see, you know, multiple justice cards in this pack. Um, all right. And then uh, next pick cards in contention. There's an uncommon left that is plate grafter. And then there is in the commons, there's a laser blast left in fire. Um, there's a few sort of medium time cards. And then there's a fatal misstep in shadow. Yeah, so this, for me, I said about um, Justice, we've got the efficiency, great, but I would take Laser Blast because that, to me, is a, is more of a signal than the gloves um, earlier on because it's a little bit later in the pack. Um, it's pick six instead of pick sort of three. So the fact that it's here now um, kind of means a bit more, even though Gloves is arguably more powerful in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Playcrafter play is always going to be in our deck if, if we are Justice. Um, and we do want to be Justice because we do have proficiency. But yeah, I would, I would take Laser Blast. Laser blast um, even though we haven't got any bashes yet, we haven't got all of our units have got one toughness so far. But um, but yeah, I would I would be heading in that direction. Oh wow, that's that blows my mind. I was so excited to see the playcrafter. <laughs> <laughs> cool. In this, it's cool. Uh, it's cool. In this pack, um, but I think that really speaks to just your evaluation of the cards and um, how highly you value this laser blast. So. As you could probably guess from my reaction, I took the plate grafter in this pack. All right, and then so pick seven, uh, cards of contention. There, it, it one uncommon left. 
uh, Malaga League Diver, which is, is the five-time sure free three. I'm not, sure I'm not sure it is an uncommon, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Summon, create, and draw an Astromancer's Compass. It's, it's, this is a ridiculous card. Um, even when you have Relic Synergies, I'm right. like never sure I want to play, play this it's card. It's good with Fluctuate Reality. Because you get to transform it into a seven drop, but that's uh, that's about it. That's true. Yeah, it's it's so crazy that this yeah. is an uncommon. I wouldn't even play this if it was a common. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like yeah, there's not even a rarity for it in the format. Um, yeah, and there's not even really a lot of synergies for it. It's not like it's doing a weird synergistic thing or anything. Yeah, you've got like compare this to the quartermaster. The quartermaster, the hardiness is you know refill your hand for six yeah. or, or seven. Um, this is make a compass. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> it's like oh now your quartet maximizers are on, but you're already at five power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they can attack for two now instead yeah. of one. Um, uh, anyway, a little bit of a tangent, but uh, then uh, commons. In Justice, there's a Bastion Gatekeeper. In Fire, there's a D'Angelo Counterfeiter. And then in Shadow, uh, there's a Razor Bot, are probably the best commons. Yeah, yeah. So I think Gatekeeper, pretty easy here. Razor Bot, honorable mention. The rest is just, I don't really want to be playing it. Yes. Yeah. I I agree. Um, All right. And then pick eight. Cards in contention, um, no uncommons left. So in Fire, there's a Pesky Wire Chewer. In Justice, there's a Metalcraft Cadet. And in Shadow, there's a Sludge Blade. So both of both of the cards, Metalcraft Cadet and Sludge Blade, um, I've got quite a bit higher on, actually, as I've branched out a bit into the, the Argent Port. Um, deck especially with Valkyrie synergies and stuff um metalcraft cadet is i think better loyal watchwing um which is the one one for three that mm-hmm. has war and um is a valkyrie as well but you actually have to attack with that to get the buff whereas this you just have to draw it and then there's quite a few ways in this format with plunder with market access that you can just kind of get rid of the one one if you want to cash it in for um for something from your market or trade it in for a power if you need it and then you've kind of already got the Warcry effect um, that the loyal watching you need to play it for three then you need to attack with it and then you kind of it just short circuits that having to do that um, which is quite nice and Sludge Blade as well has quite cute synergies especially if you're warping it it's such a powerful effect to get a 4-4 deadly relic weapon um, and then when you've got the recursion as well only hybrid and stuff you can do some cool stuff um with that so i think i would take because we've got so many plunders already and we've got the playcraft i would take the cadet okay yeah that's interesting i hadn't i don't even know if i've put one of these in my decks yet uh Mm. so i hadn't really thought about sort of just using it sort of like in constructed like you do the yote and hurler where it's just like yeah you get an incidental benefit with a snowballer in this one, like a war cry trigger, and then you can just do whatever you need to do with the body. Um, so, so I really like that. That's really changes how I look at the card. 
Um, so because I've never played a Metal Craft Cadet, I have <laughs> this Sludge Blade here. Um, you know, it's a strong card. Um, for sure, for sure. And especially in Argent Port, which it looks very possible I'll be um, yeah. if Shadows open. Uh, there's a lot of Valkyries there, so it, you can often get the Valkyrie warp. And if you can warp this in, it's an incredible weapon. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I took Sludge Blade there. Um, then pick nine, uh, cards of contention. Uh, in Fire, there's a Blood Boil Executioner. In Shadow, Hoarding Builder. And then Justice, a Covenant Peacekeeper. Um, I do like the Executioner um, quite a bit. Um, it's a lot better than I thought it was the game. Um, I think given the format and the relative strength of fire, I guess, as well. Um, but yeah, Peacekeeper is great. It's a nice, cute combo with the replication. So if we ever get there, we can just kind of Eye of Winter someone and make a 2-2 every time, mm. which would be quite nice. But, um, oh yeah, that's true. I guess I hadn't thought about that. Um, all right. And then uh, one more pick from this pack. Uh Pick 10, Cards of Contention. Uh, uncommon, there's a Tools of Oppression. Then there's a Side Slash. And then there's a Metabot Station. Um, I think I would take the Slash, but um, because we've got Grafter, you could look at the Tools of Oppression. Um, it's Because it's colorless, obviously, you can grab it from the market. And it can be... Because it's only cost, it doesn't actually cost any power to activate the ability. It can be, um, can provide sort of you know when you just need to get that last bit of damage in, stun like a key blocker on the same turn, and um, and like alpha strike in, and then just you only need it to make it, and then effectively it's become a kill spell almost um, for a, like like a combust analogy almost um, you could say uh, in that instance. So yeah, I would definitely. I mean, I'm not ever running it in the main deck or anything like that, but when you've got a grafter, um, I would be interested in picking one up. But yes, yeah, Slash is, um, is such a good card in main deck that I'd go for that. Yeah. Yeah, I went with the Size Slash too. You know, it's kind of all interesting, all three of these. You know, Size Slash yeah. is probably the strongest card here, but I only have a glove of the Pyromancer. You might have a glove and... Um, and a laser blast <laughs> and a side slash in, in your alternate reality draft. Um, and then we had just picked up the sludge blade. So metabot station is, I think a playable yeah. shadow card. Um, and then tools of oppression, like you said, is I, when I first read it, I thought it was like a completely useless card, but mm -hmm. having lost to it a couple times out of the market, I, it yeah. does have its place in the format. For sure. For sure. All right. And then the, Next, last two picks, I picked up a Shock Troop next, and then the 12th pick was a Roaming Cache. So once again, sort of that the hint of fire is <laughs> always there. Um, so I think we're ending pack one. Uh, definitely strongly Justice, and then it's still a little unclear what our second color might be. We have no time cards, but we have uh, a few fire cards, uh, just replication cell in primal, a sludge blade, and then uh, I guess that's it. All right, so then we're going into pack two, and we'll just do a couple picks from this pack, or a few, I guess, sure. a few picks from this pack. Um, <laughs> so 
Uh, pack two, pick one, cards in contention. The rare is a Stone Scar Scrapper, which is the five shadow four six. Uh, when, uh, oh, when one of your Grenadine dies, you gain one life. And then once per turn, you may pay one and sacrifice two units to draw two cards. There is an illicit armament, arm, armaments. There's an illicit armaments. There's a pompous historian and a green stretch empath are all of the uncommons. And then in the common slot in justice, there's only a rabble rouser. Uh, then the other probably best card is a combust. Yes. And then I guess there's also a token of creation. Token. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a tricky one. Um, I'm probably just going to take the most powerful card because, like you said, we're we're leaning, we're we're solidly in justice, but then second um, color is kind of up for grabs. So I would just take the scrapper because it's a good body in the format of five fives, um, and it's got. Um, if we had the cadet. Um, the Metalcraft Cadet 1-1 Flyer, you know, we would be happy sacking that to uh, to draw some cards um, as well. Um, and any bodies, really, that have kind of like a replicated cell sword that's popped its regen, you can sack it. So, uh, so yeah, that ability for sure is, is relevant. Um, and then probably my next pick would be the token, I think. Um just in case because fixing is always good i guess but yeah there's not much else here not much else here. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's why i ended up with the stone scar scrapper too all right pick two a little more interesting uh the rare is still left and that's from below which is kill an enemy relic and then transmute for primal 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 shadow 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 and you can play a four eight primor uh, plasma primordial which is just an incredible unit uh, the mm -hmm. other two uncommons left is Illicit Armament and a Frostbite, Frostbite Chrysalis, which is the 6 Primal Primal 4-6 Mandrake that when you play an attachment stuns an enemy unit. Uh, then in Justice, a few more Justice cards to choose from this time. There's a Chain Whip Bludgeoner, there's an Oathkeeper's Hammer, there's a Talon of Nostrix and a Piercing Griffin. And then uh, there's another token of creation. And then in Primal, there's a Frost Talisman. And then Power Breach Sentinel is uh, maybe the you know one of the more powerful cards in the deck, but in time. Yeah, yeah. The Sentinel's Beach Boy is, um, is a good one, but yeah, kind of far from where we are. Um, I'm looking straight away at the, the Bludgeoner and the Talon. Talon has been really good this format for me. Um, sometimes or at least probably on more occasions you think it actually gets a two for one, um, killing, you know, a, a deadly one, one or a flyer, um, a one power flyer, like a, a beckoning token or what have you and something else as well. Um, plus it's got the synergies with all the, the relics that, uh, justice has going on. Um, but yeah, I like Budgener. There's not many, we've got a lot of good two, two drops already actually. So adding another one kind of leans us more in the aggro style it wears the gloves really nicely um and uh and yeah any sort of future bust we get as well because age is such a hard battle skill to interact with from the opponent's side um can be super annoying 
Yes. Yeah, and I took the chain with Bludgeoner. I do think it's a, a little worse in this format. There's yes. yeah. mm-hmm. just fewer ways to double trigger uh, Surge. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of trouble getting on color symbols in my deck, even when I want them. Uh, but, but yeah. All right, then uh, pick three from this pack, uh, Cards in Contention. Um, there's three uncommons left. There's the Cambrai Vow, there's a Permafrost, and a Fencing Master. And then uh, in the common slot, there's a Justice Symbol, uh, a Crown Watch Longsword. In Fire, there's a Rebel Sharpshooter. And those are probably the best cards in the pack. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just as we say, we got a symbol, so we could uh, we could relive the past glories of set nine, um, at least a little bit. Um, we've already got a peacekeeper, so I'm looking. Even though we haven't seen any primal, and probably not going to be primal, I'm kind of looking at the fencing master um, or the sharpshooter. Uh, Permafrost is obviously the best card um, in a vacuum. So we could try and sort of get it in there, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think I would take Fencing Master, actually. Um, because hopefully we see some more Peacekeepers in the uh, in the following packs. It's a soldier. And, um, and yeah, we can kind of keep that in mind as we move forward. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It was for me, as between Fencing Master and Permafrost. I actually just took the chance on the Permafrost here. Sure. I, um, sure. It, it was also kind of one of those situations where Fencing Master would be at its best if I ended up Huru. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of tricky. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Fencing Master is yeah. kind of an interesting card with Covenant Peacekeeper being common, but. Permafrost is just so powerful. And like I said, I still don't feel great about my second color yet. So I thought now was... I'm still ready to take the most powerful cards from the pack in regards to my second color. All right. And then uh, then pick four of pack two, cards of contention. The uncommons are Crown Watch Cavalry, which is the four justice 2-2. Summon, give one of your your other units, Crown Watch Paladins, attack and health. There's a Huru Vow and a Dune Painter, which is the Amplify Helper. Uh, and then in the common slot, a lot of good justice. There's another Chain Whip Bludgeoner, a Rage Heart Paladin, and a Finest Hour. And then there's a Frost Talisman in Primal. And then a couple time cards. Yeah, there's a lot of goodies here, actually. Um, this is this is nice. Some cavalry is very strong. Works nicely with Replication Cell. Um, if you can get that combo going as well. Um, Bludgeoner is great. The Finest Hour has always been good ever since it's um, ever since the first day it was in. So I would probably take the Finest Hour just because it's so efficient um, with the Cavalry and the Bludgeoner being... We're quite good on two drops for a change in this format. So yeah, you could probably forgive the bludgeoner and maybe go cavalry next but um i think i'll take finest hour yeah yeah for me it was between finest hour and cavalry and i ended up taking the crown watch cavalry and one of the reasons i did that is because 
it just feels particularly strong this format like uh stat bat buffs are so great on mm-hmm. all of the regen units yeah. in this format yeah. and we already have a cell sword and then if you get us side street monitor it's like yeah. really great on a side street monitor yeah, it is. yeah yeah and then it's also really ga- great on bastion gatekeepers because then you get the double the stat boosts every turn very true um, very true so i kind of went with that the obviously finest hour is a great card but i've just found that the permanent buff of crown watch cavalry can just has so many like subtle uses not yet yet for sure all right and then uh pick five pack pick five pack five cards of contention uh the only uncommon left is touch of purity which is the life steal touch injustice then the only other justice card is siege provisions uh in fire there's a wandering forge there's a mighty strikes and a violent gust in primal fire primal and then uh, a couple shadow cards that aren't great a spirit drain a consuming greed yeah, I would um, probably just go for the siege provisions here. Um, we can put it in the market if we want to. I, f- I found that I kind of like it in the market there because it, it gives you um, a way to break a board stall almost. Um, you don't really want to be taking a turn off, turn three, turn four, to pump a unit to, to use it. Um, but when you talk, if the board stalls out, um, you can grab it from the market and then start buffing your tokens from stairs beckoning to 3-3 endurance flyers. You can start buffing your bastion gatekeepers so that they're 10-6s endurance um, when you double buff them. So uh, so yeah, for sure, in this deck, I like the provisions. All right, yeah, and I took the siege provisions too here. And then next pick, there's uh, Uncommons, a Fire Etchings, a Seed of Wisdom, not very exciting. Uh, Primal, again, there's a Shatter, not very exciting. Injustice, our color, there's a Rage Heart Paladin, and then there's nothing really else in the pack. And so I just took the Rage Heart Paladin out of this yep. pack. Seems pretty simple. Then it kind of gets interesting in these next two picks, which is why I wanted to get all the way down here. Um, so this is pick seven of pack um pack two cards of contention there's a clan standard yet left the uncommon uh primal standard which turns mm-hmm. into clan tactic which is a two power deal five to an attacking enemy unit there's a coastal diplomat is the only justice card um there's in fire ticking granite in and a war painter and then there's also a cliffside caretaker yes having that uh, standard there this late is um, it's good. It's, it's, it's good for us if we, we want to live the replication cell dream, um, for sure, because it's uh, the best card here. So yeah, I'd probably take that. The Diplomat I do like. Uh, there's not many science effects in the format, and it is a soldier game. Um, and the Caretaker is, is solid as well. But yeah, I take the standard because it's a removal. We haven't got too much removal right now. And um, No. Yeah, and I think this was, for me, it was... You know, because I had taken the permafrost, so I felt, you know, yeah. I think even more yeah. comfortable taking the standard. I think it would have yeah. been a little harder to swallow if I hadn't taken the permafrost. But, um, sure. And then this next pick, uh, cards in contention, uh, there's all the uncommons are gone. But the commons, there's a cobalt acolyte, a court mage, 
a scrap hound, and then a seek power. Yeah, seek power top ten, kind of one sixteen draft card, <laughs> right? Yeah. <there. laughs> so yeah, I probably would take that. Um, but uh, Cobalt Acolyte is is very solid as well. Yeah, um, and that's what's kind of interesting is be- the fact that Cobalt Acolyte uh, was in this pack. I did take the mm-hmm. seek, but uh, kind of made me happy that. I had taken snapped up yeah. these two primal yeah. cards because it felt like a sign that I'd probably get some primal later. Um, interestingly, how this draft ended up going is justice continued to be super open, and then um, primal—I don't know—just because there's not that many good primal cards, I didn't end up yeah. actually with that many primal cards, but the ones I had were strong, so sure. I got yeah. I got the. I had the permafrost, the standard. I managed to get the primal merchant, the three cost, uh, mm-hmm. two, three ages, and then a Maveloft Huntress. Okay. And nice. then I also picked up two Mighty Strikes. Um, okay. In addition to the one we've already passed as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so this deck ended up sort of being Mono Justice, splashing a few primal cards, and then the two Mighty Strikes. Um, and uh, really underperformed for me, honestly. Oh. Oh. It, felt, okay. it felt like it had a lot of a lot of great pieces going in into it. Um, I never really drew the mighty strikes was I think the main problem with the deck, yeah. and I, yeah. I drew zero martial efficiencies. Oh um, yeah, that's always a, a solid plan: draw martial efficiency and win. and sort of the hardest question for the deck for me actually was the fact that i was almost mono justice i was really unsure whether i should play the maveloff huntress or not because i was also splashing the two mighty strikes and maveloff huntress being double primal it's like Mm -hmm. with not a with just the one seek power you know and i think i had five primal cards the Maveloft Huntress being one of them, and uh, the other one being a clan standard, and two fire cards. It was like, I wasn't sure whether it was worth the power base hit to to do that. Sure. I think one point that I, f- I found the other day, which I'll come back to, um, because you had both a primal market and a justice market. Um, yes. Because you had the graft and you had the um, you had the merchant, but I would say Maveloft because you have the merchant. I think I would have put it in the market because it's not just your ordinary two drop. You're probably not going to be playing it on two, so you could make an argument for keeping it in the deck anyway because you want to play it on turn four, turn five once you're able to make it just gigantic and eat a unit. Um, so there is an argument for that that it's more of like a five six drop. Um, but because you have a market, a primal market, you could put it in there. Um, and but I always wanted to get my replication cell from the market. <laughs> That's true, but then you can replication sell your merchant and then get the Mavel of Thalita. <laughs> oh, wow. See, that's next level draft plays right there. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, to be fair, if you didn't have the, the premium replication cell, I suppose, you could um, you could have gone for the uh the elite and having um so i had 
in that film deck that I mentioned, um, the 7-1 deck had access to a primal and a, um, I, think, I think it was that deck anyway, but basically I had a token that was both my colours and I put that in the market because I had access to both of two different colour grafters and that meant I could get grab the either one, either power that I needed with that grafter, um, which is something that never occurred to me before, um, which was quite cool. And so if you have like a seat or if you have, um, I don't know if it works with vows, I guess it doesn't work with vows because vows don't actually add power. Um, don't, they don't add, so they, they just discard and go. So I'm not sure if they would work. But... I think it does work because um, vows, I think it would work like that because vows turn off insignias, right. like yeah. off-color mm -hmm. vow. Yeah. So I think yeah. they do count as their two okay. colors. So yeah, that's something that's... Um, that hadn't occurred to me before, and something which you could have done um, in this deck as well, if you had the access to it, um, and something to bear in mind for people in general is just uh, that, that little interaction there. But yeah, I, it's unfortunate you didn't get to live the repl replication cell dream, but that just means you've got to try it again next time, right? And go for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's uh, people have definitely had success with it, so I think it is. It, it was probably a card worth picking i don't know what uncommon they took it might have been an auto tread probably um, and i could see taking an auto tread over <laughs> over it if you're just <laughs> trying to win but yeah yeah all right um cool well thank you so much for coming on and talking about your experience in this format so far and walking through a draft with us that was a lot of fun that's cool thank you for having me so, yeah. Good time. Once again. So I think uh, that's our show here. Well, actually, well, before we do that, so are you? I noticed you haven't been streaming quite as much recently. Are you, are you still doing that? Um. So yeah. So I have returned to work full time um, after sort of a small Christmas break, um, and yeah, it's been a little bit busy. So I haven't had the chance to um, to stream at all um but i'm looking to hopefully get uh, that sorted very soon and um get some kind of schedule down but um but yeah but definitely haven't stopped just trying to figure out exactly when and how to fit it in a little bit no it's it is definitely tough i always try to but especially doing the podcast it is like mm. uh, i've said this before it is a hard ask to my wife to get a, a good night of the week indeed indeed um, to do that um, anyway, cool. It's it was great seeing your stream. So I do hope you oh, thank you. Hope you get back to it. Um, thank you yeah, that's our show here. Uh, thank you again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five star rating review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Join us in our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts. I noticed for our last episode, two people commented on the Reddit posts. Um, I have the emotional fortitude of a small child, so seeing people comment and say they like the show brings me so much joy in life um, that it's almost embarrassing to talk about, but please, please, please do it. It, it honestly keeps the show going. Um, and don't forget to send in all your seven win deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com, and remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Have a good night.